On Sunday the 29th of November, Liverpool defender Andy Robertson will be speaking to the Liverpool Echo live on Facebook from 7.30. As well as speaking about his charity, AR26, and his book Robbo, Now You're Gonna Believe Us, Our Year, My Story, he'll also be answering your questions. If you want to put your question to Robbo, simply follow the link in the description of this podcast fill in the form and press submit. It really is that simple. Remember, Sunday the 29th of November, 7.30 on Facebook. Just follow the link, fill in the form, and Robbo could be answering your question. This is the Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel, bringing you all the big match reaction with views from the press box, the dugout, and the stands. Brighton 1, Liverpool 1, VAR clips the Reds' wings with a stoppage time penalty, denying Liverpool all three points away to the Seagulls. I'm Guy Clark. Welcome to the post-game podcast here on the Blood Red Channel as we try somehow to make sense of that. Coming up, Jurgen Klopp does what he can to explain Brighton's stoppage time penalty. Second penalty is a penalty because the ref whistled it. Because um, there was a contact. And then the ref thinks it's enough, then we cannot change that, obviously, and that's the situation. The Echo's chief Liverpool writer, Ian Doyle, down at the Amex. This is a game where I don't think we're going to have heard the last of it. After all that, Liverpool have actually gone top for at least 24 hours. Plus, our regular contributors have their say. Yet again, the rage rises as Premier League officialdom proves itself utterly useless once more. Insight, analysis and opinion all to come right here on the Post Game Podcast. The Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel. So another day, another VAR controversy involving Liverpool. They've drawn one all here at the Amex Stadium against Brighton and Hove Albion. Looks as though they were going to secure a very hard-earned win after Diogo Jota had scored on the hour. A good finish after being found by Mohamed Salah's layoff and running across the edge of the box and firing into the bottom left-hand corner from where he was looking. And that was the score going into injury time until... Referee Stuart Atwell was advised by VAR to go and assess his pitch side monitor and he had another look at a, an incident inside the area that had happened about a minute earlier between Andy Robertson and Danny Welbeck uh, in which both of them had gone for a loose ball and uh, Welbeck had been caught slightly by, well, by Andy Robertson's foot having just got his toe to the ball early, uh, first uh, and then a bit later on, a couple of seconds later, just going to ground. I mean putting it down to freeze frame and slowing it down you can see possibly why the uh, referee was asked to have another look at it again but during the actual course of the play uh, there was no complaints from any of the players really if I'm being honest the the game had to say had gone on for a significant time afterwards in fact Liverpool had won a free kick before the referee was told to go and have a look at it Uh, in all honesty I think overall judging on the game the performance itself it was was probably a, a fair outcome given that uh, Brighton had in fact missed a penalty in the first half when Nico Williams had found fouled sorry Aaron Connolly uh, but Neil Mopay put the uh, B-spot kick well wide of the goal actually um, and funny enough just a couple of minutes later he was replaced after uh, being injured he wasn't the only player to pick up an injury Adam Lallana the former Liverpool player came on a substitute in the second half and he went off uh, a couple of minutes later uh, for great concern for Liverpool though is that James Milner picked up an injury uh, about midway through the second half, uh, actually with uh, 16 minutes to go, he had to go off 
and by that point he'd already replaced Nico Williams at right back uh, the youngster as against Atlanta he had a bit of a tough uh, afternoon it was a tough game for him he wasn't the only one uh, Takumi Minamino who'd started surprisingly in midfield he had a he had a difficult time, although he did improve in the second half. And, a lot, and to be fair, a lot of Liverpool's players improved in the second half uh, after the first half showing, which kind of shown basically two things. That one, they do perhaps struggle in these 12.30 kickoffs to get going. And also the fact that they were a team that had so many changes. I mean, the defence the, uh, defense had never played together before. The centre-back pairing of Fabinho, Ooh, and, Fabinho sorry, and Nat Phillips, who, by the way, uh, the pair of them were pretty good. Fabinho was excellent. They had never played together before. I think they were, I think I'd worked it out with the tenth different centre-back pairing in 17 competitive games for Liverpool this season. So that shows you that, you know, the kind of lack of consistency they have in the back line Alisson Becker had a decent game he made one or two good saves without being massively tested I mean in the first half Brighton didn't have a, a shot on target uh, but Liverpool as I say they weren't particularly great in the first half in the second half though they improved but they could have taken the lead in the first half when another VAR was it a controversy or not I'm not sure uh, here we've only seen one or two replays of the incident where Roberto Firmino puts in Mohamed Salah who finished very well after being put clean through but Again, people are going to be talking about it was a marginal call. Was it offside? Was it onside? Slightly more straightforward was Sadio Mane. He headed in a free kick, which would have made it 2-0 after Mane had not started the game. He came on in the second half for Salah, in fact, who, to be honest, wasn't particularly happy at being substituted. But, in a, but Jürgen Klopp has to manage the minutes of his, of his players. And uh, that goal was choked off for offside. I mean, it did look offside at the time, and, and VAR didn't really take too long to decide that that shouldn't have been allowed. So... You know, old Jurgen Klopp after the game, you, you may have seen his uh, his uh, chat, shall we say, with Des Kelly of BT Sport uh, after the final whistle. He went on to the pitch and had a word or two with the referee Stuart Atwell. You can understand his frustration. The Brighton manager Graham Potter said afterwards, you can understand why uh, Klopp wasn't particularly happy, especially with the timing of the incident with the penalty. And if you add in the two disallowed goals, there were one or two other calls that perhaps went against Liverpool. But overall, I actually think this is a good point for the Reds. I. You know, given the fact that they didn't play particularly well in the first half, they did a lot better, as I say, in the second half. They got to grips with the game, and for the amount of players that were missing, um, they did particularly well. It did help in the second half that Jordan Henderson had been introduced at half-time. He came on after having missed the last two games. He added a bit of both tempo and composure to Liverpool's uh, midfield efforts. And the likes of Wijnaldum improved in the second half. But as I say, Fabinho and probably Alisson Becker were Liverpool's best two players. And this is a game where I don't think we're going to have heard the last of it. After all that, Liverpool have actually gone top for at least 24 hours, so that does underline that for everything that's been been happening here and it's been happening in terms of injuries and un unavailability and you know, marginal calls going against them, they're still able to get results that see them leading the way, at least for now. Ian Doyle, the Echo's chief Liverpool writer, with his verdict on the one all draw down at the Amex as Liverpool were held to a share of the points. Diogo Jota now on to nine goals for the season and the return of Jordan Henderson. Two positives to take from the game for Liverpool, but a number of frustrations for Jurgen Klopp to contend with. Here he is speaking with the media in his press conference after the game, beginning by discussing the controversial VAR calls that went against the Reds. My analyst told me that Mo was offside, very, very close, a very small margin, like at the toe or whatever. Sadio, obviously, with his upper body. So I didn't see it, I heard that. So that makes, but that uh, sounds like twice offside, even when he was close, but well played, good play, all these kind of things. Um, sec 
second penalty is a penalty because the ref whistled it. Because um, there was a contact, and then the ref thinks it's enough, then we cannot change that, obviously, and that's the situation. Obviously, though, Danny Welbeck thought it was soft, and uh, Stuart Atwell didn't give it initially. VAR instructed him to go and look at the monitor, and then you kind of uh, knew what was going to happen, didn't you? Yeah, true. What did you say to Stuart Atwell at the end? I don't know anymore. Nothing, nothing serious, I think. So something like, um, yeah, if the contact was enough, then you decide. Just on the match itself, Jürgen, obviously Jota now nine goals. It's an incredible start. And Henderson's introduction seemed to change the dynamic of the match, would you say? I like the first half as well. So, of course, they had a bit more offensive situations because we had to adapt, um, we had to, to learn actually in the game because the balls, so some things. Brighton, when you analyze Brighton, Brighton plays football against each team, has a playing build up against each team. Against us, obviously, they shoot the balls long. Um, that's okay. <laughs> um, that was a little uh, difference. And then they, uh, with Connolly up front, they played pretty early balls in behind. And how is that? This last line played now the first time together. Um, so they need to adapt. After 20, 25 minutes, we, 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 we did that. We controlled that. Didn't have, I think the Connolly chance was a big one. The, all the other situations, Ali sorted. So, um, yeah, so I like the first half as well. Um, and of course, when you have hand on the pitch, that always helps. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, we scored a goal. Couldn't score the second one. Okay, scored a lot of more goals, but they were disallowed and couldn't score a, a second one, which would be would have been allowed. And then the penalty came. That's how it is. Jürgen, just wanted to ask, what, what's the situation with James Milner in terms of is that? Is that a hamstring injury that forced him off? And it, in terms of your midfield options, are you, are you likely to have Thiago or, or Oxlade or anyone else back in, in the near future? No. Oh, near future? Uh, that You have to explain that, what's near future? Well, any chance for the two games coming up this week against Ajax and Wolves? So. I don't want to say tell Ajax and Wolves too much, but um, I don't think so. And, and just in terms of, obviously, you've... You've, you've been a strong advocate of wanting to increase the number of subs to five. And you talked about the, the managers meeting recently. Have you had any indication of when the clubs are actually going to vote on it again? No. None whatsoever, no. Oh. Do you, do, you, do you still retain hope it will get changed during the season? Or, do you, or are you resigned now to remaining at three? Look, if it, would have, if it would be about me, I would have never mentioned it. Um, but it's about the players. And so each each moment when we when it would happen, it would be good for the players. Brighton lost today two players and they play one game a week with muscle injuries. So the most, the most um, difficult time is coming up now um, for Sheffield United as well, by the way. And then um, we will see. Um, I can explain it one last time. Um, in this period where we are in five subs is not for tactical changes. And if ever one coach has the luck to use it for tactical changes, that will be the exception. But it's just to... Today, <laughs> we, we made an early sub in the half time um, 
then be the second sub, and then you have to be and we thought really if you are brave and make the third sub. Um, if you if you are not brave, then you have to wait with the third sub until the 90th minute, pretty much, because until then, then when you, when they show up five more minutes, for example, then you can say okay, if you change now, then probably nothing will happen, or we are only four, four, three, four minutes with with um, ten men. Um, if we would have had five subs today, then Andy Robertson, I would have taken off 100%. I had Costas Timikas on the bench, so he can play then 15, 20 minutes, whatever. Um, so we don't have a lot of options in the moment. Um, we have, but they're all offensive. Um, so there's a, you can just bring them all through the season. That's the, I, and, not, and it will not be, it's not the solution, but it's a little help. That's all. Whatever Chris Wilder says, I don't speak only about Liverpool. He speaks only about Sheffield United. That's true. He admitted that in the manager's meeting, but I speak about football players. Jurgen Klopp trying his best to keep his cool and keep some positivity going during his post-match press conference. Still to come, we'll check in on our Blood Red podcast Facebook group. Before that, though, let's hear from some of our regular contributors. And first up is Hannah Pinnock. So another incredibly difficult game to digest, um, considering so much happened in the space of 90, 95, 96 minutes. I think we started the game really well, um, you know, created a few chances, but very quickly I think it fell away from us and we lost control. There wasn't much going on in midfield. You know, we struggled really to start creating anything and Brighton were were outnumbering us sort of everywhere. Um, Connolly was causing us a whole host of problems. Um, I was a little bit happy to see him go off, to be honest. But then obviously the penalty decision, um, which was a stone stonewall penalty. I think that's about as clear as it gets. And I think just shows the inexperience really from Nico Williams. And obviously he's a young lad and normally he would not be the one in the firing line. He wouldn't be the main right back being relied on week in week out but given there simply is no one else he's sort of just getting thrown in there and probably a lot sooner than he's ready for which I think is probably why we're seeing mistakes and obviously I'm not sure how long it will be before Trent's back I'm not sure how long Milner will be out for now so we've just sort of got to stick with it and get behind the lad really because being absolutely crucified on social media isn't going to do him any good but then obviously for his relief the penalty was missed and we go on on score and in my opinion wrongfully ruled offside I know it's easy to say that as a Liverpool supporter but I just I struggle so much with VAR and the millimetre decisions I think to contrast it really the Mane decision is exactly why VAR is a useful tool because Mane was blatantly offside and as frustrating as it is that you are happy about a goal and then suddenly it gets ruled out that was blatantly the right decision Mane was clear as day offside but for the millimetres I I don't know if it's just me but I just can't see how the technology is that advanced and that accurate that you can determine whether a player is literally millimetres offside when you consider the pixels and the images and the frame rates in terms of the exact second that the ball leaves a player's foot. It's just, 
it's it's a really really difficult one because they they there's it's not clear as day and it's so subjective and everyone's saying different things and whether or not the line was on on the defender's right foot but then it's like well surely his right foot is not part of his body that's closest to the goal so how does that work i i would love i mean to be fair i just think there needs to be a lot more transparency and if there's other angles the premier league need to release those angles because i think the biggest issue with var at least at the moment is that fans and pundits alike really and players i imagine as well have no faith in it whatsoever and they don't trust that the decisions that are being made are right and that's the issue that the premier league need to fix or at least find a way of making everyone feel confident in the decisions that are being made because when you see decisions like that that you go away from a game feeling low because obviously it feels like you've sort of been nicked of a win there but it genuinely does make you fall out of love with the game a little bit because you can no longer celebrate goals I mean that Salah goal is a you want to be able to celebrate that the pass from Firmino is exquisite it deserves to be a goal for that alone really but the way that Salah takes it is brilliant as well and you want to celebrate it because it didn't quite look offside but then obviously you look at it again and the millimeters are there and it's like well his toenail is offside <laughs> great and that that's not football um that is not football the Jota goal amazing I mean I'm running out of things to say about him to be honest because <laughs> I would much rather be sat here for however long just talking about how incredible he is um and it's a shame that the controversial decisions take away from performances like that but Jota was amazing his goal phenomenal um <clears throat> obviously the Mane one rightfully ruled offside but then the decision at the end again I mean if Peter Walton is not 100% sure on the decision I think that says a lot because he's usually <laughs> the one constantly backing up the referees and the decisions they make but even he wasn't quite convinced so I think that says a lot I'm pretty sure Welbeck said it was a soft one and you know the interviewer at the end talking to Klopp was saying that if even the Brighton players were saying that it wasn't a penalty which again I think just highlights the issues of VAR that just no one has any confidence in it and the Premier League need to address it because at the end of the day like it's, it's taking everything away from football and our conversations after games should not be about the referees and the god-awful decisions that are being made it should be about the players and the football and not that <laughs> pretty much so I feel like I've ranted on for enough but yeah it is what it is the post game podcast on the blood red channel Mark Baker reflecting on Brighton versus Liverpool in the Premier League didn't believe Liverpool played very well whatsoever really in the game obviously there's mitigating circumstances for that the fact that the schedule at this moment in time probably doesn't allow the amalgamation of, of recovery and preparation on the training field between games and obviously there's a massive bugbear of Klopp at the moment especially having the the early kickoff. that also with the fact that at the moment Liverpool are sort of having to patch together sides on a, on a game by game basis of who's fit and available 
and also have to almost preempt and in terms of who'll play what game because of potential injuries and managing workload. So, you know, I'm expecting to see some kind of disjointed performance and we're certainly getting them at the moment. And the factors, them factors combined are making it really difficult, I think, for for, for the squad of players and Klopp at this moment in time. So, obviously, there'll be a lot of interest in, in VAR. I mean, the decisions, or three decisions, in my opinion, were correct decisions. Obviously, Salah was offside, albeit tight. Manny was comfortably offside. And then, obviously, you've got the one at the end, which, listen, I'm in total agreement that without the introduction of VAR, it's, it's probably never given as a penalty. But actually, when you look at the incidents, it's rash from Robertson when he should be a lot more colder at that stage of the game and at any stage inside his own 18-yard box. And actually, when you've seen the replay, you were always fearful that it was going to be given. Obviously, there'll be a lot of controversy in terms of saying, oh, VAR, this, and had an influence on the game. But you could actually say it's it's influenced the game with, with three correct decisions, really. If we're totally honest, Liverpool didn't really deserve to win the game. Obviously, Jota comes up with a fantastic goal, individualised, a bit of skill. But in total, you couldn't say that it would have been a deserved three points. However, they're the games, I suppose, that so often last season, Liverpool came away with wins and and ultimately meant that they, they won the title by a considerable distance. I think the big thing at the moment, obviously, with Klopp's interview after the game is the fixture schedule. And I think the point of the matter is that, obviously, there's been a, a contract signed with the, the television companies prior to the season. There'll be a 12.30 kick-off slot. I think Klopp's point of view is, well, that 12.30 kick-off slot doesn't necessarily have to be a Liverpool game. But then, if you're a broadcaster, you're always going to be picking Liverpool and Manchester United if you get the opportunity, because obviously they bring in the most revenue in terms of the watches. So, I understand what he means, that obviously the, the contract was signed in a, in a season not being COVID, or in circumstances not being COVID, but I suppose it's very hard to change that when there's millions of pounds resting on it from a television company's point of view. So how does that work out? I'm not quite sure. Obviously, also with the the substitution rule that he was talking about, and I thought he made a really good point, really, about, you know, because people have talked about, well, Liverpool didn't make many subs in this game or that game. And I get that, because when you're playing against Manchester City away, I don't think Klopp's necessarily saying that he's going to be making you know, substitutions when games are in the balance to... to, to, to to affect the outcome you want to keep your best players on the pitch however in the games in which Liverpool would be winning I think that's the point that they could then manipulate the substitution rule so they could then give some of their their better players and most important players a rest periods and I think that's more the points rather than highlighting that in specific games he hasn't made changes because or, or all the changes because they were probably games in which the game was in the balance till the later the later minutes of the fixture and you can easily understand why it hasn't been passed through by all the clubs because it seems with the more money have a deeper bulk of squad it means they can rotate with, with players who are of of more level ability as the ones who, who would be coming off the field where there's obviously there's a massive drop-off in terms of the lower teams and in not only numerically but in the quality of player. But I am starting to change my opinion slightly because obviously Liverpool are, I suppose, the, the biggest amount of players out injured at the moment but I don't think it's just the amount of players injured at the moment I think it's the drop off in level so at the moment especially in the defensive area of the side you're losing absolute elite players and you're bringing in or having to, to bring in an academy right back who looks below the level at this moment in terms of really struggling you've got a 
another academy centre half who was playing non-league football last year down the pyramid and also you've got a centre half coming in who played in the Bundesliga too so Liverpool are obviously experiencing a massive drop off in that and I almost think to myself now well it is almost when you look at Liverpool on, on the on the on the pitch it's almost not the Liverpool you, you're used to it's it's totally skewed in terms of the team especially from the defensive phase and even the, the, the makeup of the midfield at times Liverpool really struggling to get a central midfield a trio on the playing field and so I suppose there's there's an easy argument to say well you want to see the best players and having the best players on the on the team sheet at all times and in an ideal world obviously you would but I do think that the frustration from Klopp comes from obviously not just today's result which obviously we're against them in the last minute but also the fact that he probably looks at his team on the field of play at the moment and probably as a regret at weaknesses within his team when if you looked at you know, at the start of the season, especially with the acquisition of Thiago, you thought to yourself, well, that is a massive signing. And when you looked at the the way the rest of the Liverpool team was structured with Van Dijk and Gomez, Alexander-Arnold, obviously the forward players and all the, the quality midfield options, you looked and you thought to yourself, well, Liverpool, you know, it's going to take a really, really big thing for Liverpool not to come close or at least win the league again. They were always going to be challenging where I feel at the moment it's made it a much, much more level playing field for everyone else and probably Klopp has legitimate concerns about whether his team will be able to achieve what were the goals at the start of the season. That must frustrate the manager because he knows that these aren't short-term injuries, for especially the two centre-halves. And, and no matter what anyone says, especially with the Van Dijk, it, it, it totally um, makes it more difficult for Liverpool this season to lose Van Dijk. So you can see why the manager's frustrated. I think it's a really testing time for Liverpool at the moment. They're really struggling for fluency. They're really struggling for in terms of team selection and, and the way they're playing, obviously, as a, as a result of that. So I think that's more to do with the point today. And I think it's a period they're just going to have to get through because you can't see it really subsiding anytime soon. I think a massive thing for Liverpool will be to get Thiago on the field of play as soon as possible because... Obviously, having lost a world-class player at the back, I believe bringing in for me, if not the Wales' best centre midfield player, would give a massive boost to the squad at this moment in time. I mean, you've seen the, the difference that Henderson made coming on, and if you could you could get him in the midfield alongside Thiago and Wijnaldum at the moment, you've got to believe that that would uh, instantly improve Liverpool's performances and, and give them a, a much better platform in games. Hello, this is Owen from Copon Podcast. At the start of this match, we had no VVD, no Tiago, no Hendo, no Trent, no Matip, no Gomez, and no Mane. Six players who would have started, plus a world-class backup centre-back, were out of the lineup. This, if you can imagine, is 2009 Barcelona without Piquet, Puyol, Cáceres, Yaya Toure, Busquets, Chabi or Eto. This is 1991 Milan without Costa Curta, Baresi, Maldini, Tassotti, Rijkaard, Albertini, Hulit and Van Basten. This is even 1978 Liverpool without Phil Neal, Hansen, Phil Thompson, Emlyn Hughes, Kenny Dalglish, Jimmy Case or Terry McDermott. To come out of that game with one point is not too bad, therefore. It could, of course, have been worse. 
but the grim taste of those three points being snatched away from us at the death will linger like the acid taste of vomit bile. That was a penalty so soft it could have landed snugly on a petal. Even Danny Welbeck admitted it. Have a word with yourselves, referees, including the VAR officials, or better yet, don't just have a word with yourself, thump yourself squarely on the noggin. Yet again, the rage rises as Premier League officialdom proves itself utterly useless once more. As well as fixing the calamitous VAR system, of course, unless the authorities also do something about the fixture list, I doubt anyone will be able to finish the season. Four muscle, muscle injuries in one 12.30 kickoff, including even the robot Mega Man Jimmy Milner, who went down with a twanged hammo. He may be out of action for weeks, thus missing probably about 20 matches. Terrible. If a homing pigeon had delivered this news, I would not just have shot it, I would have strangled it and made it into nuggets. That's my moan over for now. I'm going to go and try and stop being furious and look at the table. Because despite all the odds against us and all the officials against us, this is Owen from Cop On Podcast looking on the bright side, taking stock and hoping that all of our lads save up this rage, this fury and take it out on next week's Opponents. Owen and Mark sharing their thoughts on the one all draw at Brighton. VAR, as you'd imagine, dominating the chat as it has done in our Blood Red podcast Facebook group. Bob O'Hanlon writes, it's official. VAR has killed the game of football. David Allen, a good second half from us today, let down by a disgraceful penalty decision. End of. Mark Donoghue says, we all hate VAR tonight. Just wait until we get a couple going in our way and opinion will change. For the record, I've hated it from day one. Always did, always will. Only useful for whether or not the ball has crossed the line. It's not all about VAR though. Gareth Shepard says, where's that team of a few seasons ago who used to blitz the opposition? And Richie Farrell says, I thought we were going to stumble over the line for a hard-earned three points, but... Unfortunately, in today's world, that was a penalty. We got something very similar against West Ham, so swings and roundabouts. Why did Robbo take such a swing? Nico needs to do better with the penalty they missed. We lacked creativity in midfield and the forwards were pretty starved of the ball until Hendo came on. We need Thiago in there as soon as possible. Salah's goal was so marginal, it should have been given, in my opinion, advantage to the attacker. A disappointing couple of games this last week. Injuries and tiredness are evident. We need two wins next week. Well, for more of that, head to Facebook, search for The Blood Red Podcast and join in the group and get involved. And your comments could well be shared here on the post-game podcast. Last two of our regular contributors to have their say on the draw at Brighton, Steve Dawson, but before him, Matt Whitty. Well, a draw that really feels a lot more like a defeat because of the manner in which it came, really conceding such a late penalty and just the frustration of having 
the VAR decisions go against us. Um, I thought, first and foremost, uh, the performance overall from us just wasn't wasn't good enough today. Um, we were we looked we looked tired again. Aside from the first 10 or 15 minutes, where I actually thought we looked uh, we looked pretty bright and put their back line under quite a lot of pressure, but we just looked a little bit leggy. Um, I thought that Nat Phillips and Fabinho had good games at centre back. Uh, Fabinho made a bit of a mistake in the second half uh, where he got caught out, and uh, Jota took his goal really, really well after a lovely cushioned pass from from Salah. But it wasn't to be today, and um, clearly the uh, VAR played played an element. I really don't want to talk about it too much. I thought the um, I thought the Mane offside was offside, and that's just the way it goes. I thought personally in real time, um, well certainly on the replay, I thought the penalty uh, was a was a penalty and certainly on the TV they were talking more about the fact that it was the uh, lowering of the bar for what is a clear and obvious error um, in order to call the referee over to go and take a take another look that seems to be seems to be changed but I, I thought it was a I thought it was a penalty and I'd have been screaming for that if that had been at the at the other end um, the Salah goal which was a lovely ball and a lovely lovely finish obviously that was so so tight and not the first one of those that we've had this season uh, from where they drew the lines it you know did look offside by those by those rules it looked a bit odd that they did seem to draw it from the defender's right foot when he was running towards goal and his left hand side was was closer and it's just why I've always said with those offsides there needs to be a, a margin a margin of error because uh, you've got a 2d image and you're trying to get sort of 3d lines drawn on it uh, on a on a freeze freeze frame and how do you know exactly where to, to where to draw the line but yeah that's just the way the way it is at the moment it's it's frustrating to watch it's bad on it's bad on tv it's bad when when you're in the stadium not that we've uh, been able to be in for for a while it really does kind of suck the life out of a bit and you've just got to say you know is it is it all worth it is it all worth it and uh yeah at the moment uh, i think most Liverpool fans would say yeah uh, definitely definitely not uh you've got to say credit to, credit to brighton because actually after the first 10 uh, 10 minutes or so when uh, when we were onto them um they really did find their feet and, and played quite well uh, played well and um caused us problems at the back um didn't really give up too many too many chances and uh yeah got uh, got a point and probably overall they uh, they deserved the point i thought anyway on to the uh, on to the crucial game against uh, next crucial game against uh, Ajax. Steve Dawson on Liverpool's one-one draw with Brighton. I think we're all disappointed, aren't we, for a number of different reasons. I think I would first of all say that I think the VAR controversial decision here or controversial statement, but I think the VAR got everything right. Uh, the only thing I would have a little issue with was the penalty that. Nico Williams was a judge to have given away and Michael Owen at half time on Premier League productions and by the way I think Michael Owen is becoming probably the best pundit out there at the moment made the point that the Brighton player came across Williams' path and forced the issue there was nothing that Williams could do about it and Owen makes a very good point when it was when when the replays were shown over and over again as he was describing this. I think he saw something that not many other people saw and made a very good point. I'm not entirely sure that it doesn't mean it was a penalty, but it does tend to take away the blame from Williams that many of us would assign to him because it was a lunging effort, wasn't it? Tackle that didn't really need to be made. I won't go on any further about VAR. As I said, I think other than that, 
But just sticking with Nico Williams, I suspect he and everybody else knew that Jordan Henderson would come on at half-time. I, if I'm not mistaken, that's happened once already when Hendo was coming back from um, a period of injury. Uh, and I think probably the the medical team said Jordan can play half a game. And so it was that was the determination that Williams would start the first half and then come on, come off at half-time. Otherwise, it's quite a... It's quite a, a damning indictment to bring a youngster off at half-time. And as I say, if I'm not mistaken, that's happened twice now. Having said all that, though, I don't think he's up to it. I've said this before. If you look at the, I mean, the three players that I think many of us would have looked carefully at today would have been uh, Williams, Nat Phillips and Minamino. Um, and I have sort of different conclusions about the three of them. Williams, for me, just confirmed what I've been thinking that, you know, he's not quite, he's not quite there. He's young and there's still development time ahead of him. That's for sure. But if I had to make a call now about whether to stick with him, persevere or not, I would tend to give up the ghost and, and look elsewhere for a backup right back. Um, Minamino, I don't know, perhaps I should watch the game again. He just didn't seem to be involved much. And maybe that's because I wasn't paying enough attention. But I I didn't see him making quite as much of a contribution as I would like to see him make. He had a shot on goal. But I'd like to see a bigger contribution from him. Perhaps that would come if he got more time on the field. In terms of Nat Phillips, I think he was strong. Getting to the ball first, he's putting in a good performance and... I wonder all the talk about us buying defenders in the transfer market for however much that would be, 20, 25, 30 million. Is it worth investing that much money if we've already got Nat Phillips in the side? Is there anybody who's going to be better than him and is going to be our number four or even maybe number five centre-back in months to come once we get our, our injured group back together again? I was also disappointed for other reasons. One is that Mo Salah's petulance coming off the field was was not good. I know pundits and fans say, oh, it's good to see that. It's good to see people disappointed when they're substituted. Well, everybody's disappointed when they're substituted unless they're, unless they're hiding or they're injured. Nobody wants to come off. Everybody wants to play football. But you've got to be a unified force for the team. You've got to get behind the manager. He's not the first person to be withdrawn. He won't be the last you know that that kind of petulance, which was prolonged. You can you can forgive an instant reaction, uh, but then you would you would expect him to grin and, and bear it and and run off the pitch and shake hands. And he got a he got a pat on the back from Jurgen as he ran past him, but he didn't acknowledge it. And I remember Jordan Henderson being reprimanded by Jurgen Klopp when he did something similar some time ago. I wonder if this dates back in any way to the words that Jurgen must have had with Mo Salah when he caught. COVID in Egypt by attending a social function with, without Jürgen's full approval. And um, I, think that's, I think that's something that is going to be sorted out behind closed doors, hopefully. But I wasn't happy with Mo Salah. I don't think it's... It, it, doesn't, it doesn't speak to what Liverpool are and what this group is. Of course, the other disappointment is James Milner. Yet another hamstring injury. It's painful because he is such a, a, a player who can fit into many different positions. And in that sense, he's very, very useful to us. 
we really do need to get Thiago back because even though he doesn't play numerous positions, he sits in a he sits in a position that would allow Fabinho to play uh, and Henderson to play in the variety of positions that they can play in, centre-back, right-back, attacking midfield, as well as defensive midfield. The key to all of that is having Thiago there sitting in front of the defence, allowing Henderson and Fabinho to slot in wherever they're needed because of the, the hideous quota of injuries that we are, we're having to deal with. It's not a good day. Drop two points. Uh, we won't be top of the league come the weekend. It's not a disaster at the end of the day. There's plenty more to fight for. I'd still say we're favourites for the title, but this is a rough, rough old patch we're going, we're having to tread through, and um, I hope we get some uh, some positive news ahead of the Champions League game in the middle of the week, and and a result that can give us all a bit of confidence. Because oh, I'm not funny, feeling particularly good about the way things are going. I'm sure many listeners here aren't either. At Galasahi on Twitter, G U L A S A H I. Steve Dawson following on from Matt Whitty here on the Post Game Podcast. A quick word about our upcoming live event across on the Liverpool Echoes Liverpool FC Facebook page this Sunday the 29th at 7.30pm. Andy Robertson will be speaking about his AR26 charity and his book Robbo, Now You're Gonna Believe Us Our Year, My Story. As well as that, he'll also be taking some of your questions. Check out the link in the description of this podcast. All you've got to do is fill in the question form and click submit and Robbo could well be fielding your questions. For now though, thanks as ever for joining us here on the Post Game Podcast. You've been listening to the Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel.